Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Listen up, Rotor Grinders. It's the ownership report here at rotorgrinders.com. My name is Chris Gimino, projected ownership analyst for RG, and joining me to go over the week 12 NFL DFS main slate is DFS Extraordinaire, SDL Cards 84, Justin Van Zuden. Justin, what's going on, man? Are you ready to get this done? It's it's not the best slate for a week 12, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Uh, appreciate the reminder earlier. I knew that uh, Dan was going to be out and uh, Devin asked me a while ago to to fill in, and of course I remembered for you know uh, most of the the, the two week period that I knew I was going to be filling in here, and uh, slipped my mind over the holidays. So I uh, got the reminder this morning, and we got all ready to go. So, and, and it is the, the the Thanksgiving week slate. The main slate is always maybe a a little more underwhelming. We still got a couple teams on buys. Obviously, we had three Thursday games, which takes a couple games off the main slate. So. Uh, a little more condensed pool of games and, you know, not a lot of games that just scream ownership and shootout, you know, as far as game stacks and GPPs, we don't I think we've only got one game above about 49 points this week. So it uh, should be an interesting week to, to run through the strategy. I think there's a, a few different ways you can handle it this week. And, uh, you know, this is a week where the, if you do the research, it, it often pays off. It's a short turnaround from a Thursday slate to Sunday on a holiday week. So uh, definitely one where I think we can get an edge. Very few mispricings out there on the DFS site these days. You know, you might, you might find a handful on Yahoo, but, you know, you, you come over to DraftKings and, you know, they're just about as good as anyone at projecting uh, the players and coming up with the price points on these guys. So it's, a, it's really a, a good, solid, tough week of lineup building ahead of us here for this Sunday afternoon. Now, if you look at the quarterback position, that's where it starts. And, you know, you've got, very few standout plays at the position. You've got, you know, no Patrick Mahomes, no Lamar Jackson. Top projected player for us is Tom Brady right now. Uh, not too many other guys above 20 fantasy points in our projections at the moment. And the ownership is going to lead us in the direction of Cam Newton, who's back and running back, running touchdowns into the end zone. Pretty, it's like he never left in, in terms of, you know, the way that he's operating uh, in Carolina. 
uh, over 20 fantasy points projected for him right now. Over 14% ownership is the 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 you know the reason for that is his price point here. Do you have any problem with him being the chalkiest tournament player? I think in cash games, of course, you know he's going to lead into an optimal build pretty easily here. But do you think for tournaments it's a mistake to trust Cam Newton against the Dolphins? I don't. I mean, and we don't, it's not like it's 25, 30% ownership. So, and I was kind of looking into this a little bit and teams are throwing the ball 40 times a game on Miami, which is a little bit weird. I mean, you consider that Miami's a pretty bad team, you know, you figure teams get a lead against them and, and, you know, run the ball a lot, but that hasn't been the case. I think in terms of opposing passing attempts per game, it's been Seattle and Miami are the two that are above 40. So I think this is a game where you could see that dual threat upside from Cam a little bit more. Uh, some people tend to play him without, you know, pairing him with a receiver in tournaments. Maybe that's one way to to make your your Newton lineups a little bit different in GPPs. But based on the salary on DraftKings, I mean, you mentioned there's not a lot of mispricings on DK right now. I think this is one. Um, you know, Newton at 5600, he's 8K on FanDuel, so uh, you don't necessarily need him over there. But given the way he's looked and the opponent. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'll be fading Cam Newton at that salary this week. I think certainly my my position here with Carolina at Miami is that they're going to be on the road here. It's, uh, you know, the Miami defense is has the potential to be one of the tougher defenses in the league. The Carolina offense, especially with Cam at quarterback, has the potential to slow down quite a bit. You know, they've got Christian McCaffrey back there. Uh, they're yak guys as far as their wide receivers are concerned. We don't, we don't know for sure what Cam's arm – is going to look like. I mean, he used to be able to throw the deep ball. Pretty good, Robbie Anderson's not going to catch it anyway. Yeah, so this it. is what I'm getting to. So, <laughs> you know, the the look of this offense against Miami, and then of course you look flip Miami going back against the tough Carolina defense. I just have a problem seeing if he's going to be on the higher side of ownership. That being the absolute best play you can make if you're making just a couple of lineups, right? So I'm not saying bad play for Cam Newton here, but I am saying that I think you can probably get more creative on a week where there's very few concentrated ownerships to begin with, right? Like, you know, you look at the rest of the quarterback position, yeah. it's spread out as usual, but even you'll see in the other positions, it's priced so tight on DraftKings that they're just not going to be, you know, you know, we're not going to see 45% owned uh, players on this slate like we saw on Thanksgiving, right? We're not going to see, I think, um, you know, if you played NBA last night, you know, you're not going to see 50% owned Anthony Edwards on this slate. That's just not happening. So Again, uh, Justin Herbert might be the next highest owned guy here. It's close between him and Brady. The problem with Brady is he's 7,600. And, you know, you, still, you put Brady with either one of those top receivers or Gronk even, who's, you know, he's, he's the cheapest of the bunch, but you're still not getting away with a minimum salary guy. That sack's going to start to get expensive real quick. And certainly people are going to want to try to bring it back with Jonathan Taylor on the other side. So it's, it's getting tough to afford Brady here. Do you think any of these other quarterbacks – belong ahead of Herbert and Brady in terms of ownership, or are these the next two guys for you? I mean, I think they will be the next two in terms of ownership. I'll give Brady a slight edge. Um, I worry about that uh, game in, in Denver, maybe being a little slow paced, uh, particularly if Denver's able to keep it close. Uh, I think they'll try to slow that game down. So not, I don't have a problem with Herbert, but I think if I'm prioritizing one, uh, I do prefer getting some exposure to Brady. So, um, and that, you know, that $7,600 tag, I, I think, uh, will scare maybe a little bit uh, of people away just because it, it is tight on DraftKings. So um, I, I think you'll see maybe Herbert at a thousand cheaper come in with a little more popularity, but uh, Brady is, is probably my next priority. I'll be underweight on Herbert, I think. 
and unless you're in love with a guy in Des Fitzpatrick who was like he was barely getting time in preseason when we were when we were covering that earlier. You know, he got cut. You know, he he definitely wasn't standing out at Titans camp at all. He's like he's there by as a process of elimination pretty much in that receiving core. The reason I mentioned is because he's 3,200 and you can start to get some of these stacks with, you know, doubles with Brady and, you know, Godwin, if you're trying to get both of them in there a lot easier, but that's why he's not, I think he would be the highest on quarterback if it was easier to afford him. That's basically Agreed. Yeah. Saying. Yeah. If there was more obvious three K value, uh, you'd see more people on him for sure. Yeah. And people aren't going to fall in love with that. That's for sure. Okay. So, Tyrod Taylor is the guy that I've got next on my list here as far as garnering some ownership. He did run for a couple of touchdowns last week, but more importantly, he's 5,300 in the matchup against the Jets is going to look appealing to most people. Projections like him quite a bit. Um, what, I was going to leave this to you. Tyrod Taylor is a player that I don't. I feel like I'm too biased to have a strong opinion about right now. How are you viewing him right now? If, if the numbers geeks are right, is this a good play in week number 12? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, I think he's a reasonable pivot away from Cam at 300 cheaper. Um, they don't have any good goal line running backs, so he's just as good of a candidate to run it in. Um, and we've seen that Jets defense just give up yards in droves at times. I mean, uh, Buffalo, in the midst of Buffalo struggles, uh, they still put up a bunch of yards against the Jets. We saw Indy put up a ton of yards against the Jets, and this is actually you – know, Houston's looked more competent the last few weeks. They – beat Tennessee obviously so I think um yeah if, the, if there's a spot where I'm comfortable rostering Taylor this year this is probably it uh at uh you know 5300 on DK against the Jets still waiting for a, a particular player in this team to sort of break out of his show maybe this is the week but this is certainly a decent matchup and we'll talk about a couple of the players on this team going forward through the other positions now Stafford no longer with the aid of Robert Woods uh, the matchup with Green Bay is, I, I wouldn't call it a tough matchup, but it's, you know, is there a situation here where Stafford should be higher owned than he is right now? His prop is not that high. The projection is not that high. It's, it's really a different place than we were a couple, just a couple of weeks ago with the Rams where, you know, he was pretty much a lock for 300 yards. Are, are, are we underselling Matthew Stafford in this spot against Green Bay? I think it depends on how you feel about his secondary receivers um, because Cooper cup is $9,600 on DraftKings, and that's just a ridiculous price tag. And if you're a believer in Beckham and Jefferson being able to replace that production from Robert Woods, I think Stafford is reasonable. Um, I, I have my doubts. I mean, the Packers defense has looked a lot better recently, save last week's game against the Vikings where they didn't, but otherwise they'd been pretty good for a couple of months. Uh, it's a road game for the Rams. It's cold in Green Bay. Uh, and this time of year, I mean, you know, Stafford played for years with the Lions indoors, playing for Los Angeles. You're playing in a warm weather environment. Uh, and I know he's used to playing outdoors in Chicago and Green Bay and, you know, this time of year. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't trust those secondary receivers. And I don't love stacking them with Cup because Cup's so expensive. So by process of just that reasoning, I think I, I don't love Stafford here, but you know, on its own merit, I suppose I don't mind it, but uh, I don't think it's necessary. I'd rather pay 500 more for Brady. He'll get a couple of looks. I mean, there's a possibility that this number's inflated just a little bit here at 7%. You know, maybe he checks in at 5% or something like that, but I don't think he'll be in the super, super low tier of options this week. He'll, 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 he'll fall somewhere among this next group of guys, right? So you've got Stafford, and I think probably some combination of Matt Ryan, Jalen Hurts, Garoppolo, 
uh, Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones, and maybe Cousins sneaks, sneaks in there just because they've been playing in so many high-scoring affairs. I mention it like every week on the show. Like the, geez, I mean, like just the number of times that the Vikings end, end up just like creating these amazing game environments. It's not just this year too. I remember last year there was a couple of games where just suddenly a Vikings game turns into like a 80-point affair. Like is this situation here where – any of these other guys has any potential to become chalky secretly? Because everyone, this happens every year where there's a guy you think is going to be 4% owned and he's 9 and 10% owned just because he fits the roster construction on a tight week. Any of those guys fit the bill? Um, I don't think so. I think we got it about right. You know, Hertz would have been the choice for me, but now that he's up to 7,300, um, you know, he was 6,500 three weeks ago, 6,800 a couple weeks ago. He was up to 7,300 last week and, and wasn't very highly owned against the Saints, but salvaged the rushing touchdowns. I, I I don't think so. I think Hertz will be a little higher owned on the other sites, but on DraftKings, I, I think we got it about right uh, in terms of that ownership. And uh, you mentioned it, and I put it in my article this week that my favorite of the, you know, kind of these lower owned guys is Cousins because of what we see a lot from the Vikings and what we saw last week. Uh, and the fact, I mean, that game has the second highest total on the slate. We mentioned it from the top. It's not the most exciting main slate. Uh, but we got a 49-point total there, and the Vikings often end up in these shootout type of games. So, um, yeah, Cousins at 4%, I think, is the guy. And maybe others take that path, too, uh, and, and he becomes the guy that ends up being a little more popular. But uh, he's the guy I'm kind of planting my flag on there to be overweight. I think with the return of, of uh, George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, I, I don't think Garoppolo is going to be sneaky at all. I mean – you know, again, if we're talking about, is he going to be 4%? Okay, that's fine. But I still think he's going to, you know, when you start talking about the quarterback position, we're on a week this spread out, and, and again, it's usually spread out a quarterback, but I just don't think you're going to find yourself totally alone with your Garoppolo stacks. I think he'll be at, at least moderately popular, but I think we've already spent too much time talking about quarterback just based on the fact that you're not going to gain a ton of game theory advantage merely from your quarterback selection by itself. I think you have to dig a little bit deeper into these other positions to look for spots with ownership to find an advantage. Would you agree with that, Justin? I would. Yes. I think you got that spot on. You know, speaking of finding an advantage, you might want to try to find an advantage this week, Justin, on Thrive Fantasy. Now, you haven't been here to talk about, you know, getting the whole family involved like I have with Tuttle's family. He's, <laughs> he's with his family now. He should be down there selling Thrive Fantasy to all of them. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. It's a daily fantasy and esports app for player props. Uh, with Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on just the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 out of 20 available players to build your lineup. Uh, each prop's going to get assigned over and under. You go ahead and get a lineup of 10 guys to, you know, based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most fantasy, you know, points, and you're going to win your share of the prize pool. Use promo code Grinders when you sign up today. Receive 100% instant first deposit match up to 250 bucks plus two free $20 contest tickets with a $10 deposit, four free $20 con you know, contest tickets with a $100 to $499 deposit. And Justin, if you have got the big bucks, like I know you've got, you can get six free $20 tickets for $500 deposit over at Thrive Fantasy. So you might want to check that out. Yeah, uh, download the Thrive Fantasy app on the App Store or the Play Store by visiting thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prep up today, running back position. Okay, so normally we, we find somebody at the running back position that's like, yep, this is the play. This is the standout. This is the guy that's going to get the ownership. Justin, I'm looking at what's going on this week, and I don't see it, man. I got Miles Sanders up top, 5,100 on DraftKings. Uh, maybe you'll see 
some you know some other guys on other sites pop up a little bit higher but man it's it's, it's tight out there at running back who am i supposed to love <laughs> not miles sanders and gpps every time he's the chalk he stinks so um but uh, the salary cap poses some constraints this week so i, I think that's why that ownership is going to congregate there um i'm just probably not going to do it in gpps he's yet to burn people it seems like whenever he's chalky so uh yeah it's it's tough i mean the the top the top plays are pricey uh and the the mid-tier plays all have risk like you know, barkley who knows how many touches he's gonna get um uh you know ty johnson how many touches is he gonna get I, how healthy is james robinson so uh it's iffy for me but uh, i think the logic behind that then just is in gpps you swerve away from the chalk because it's you know it's unpredictable so um yeah sanders not a guy i love it if he's going to be the most popular looking at schedule adjusted fantasy points and our rotorounders power rankings for the matchup i mean i guess both of these guys sanders and robinson have decent matchups uh for on teams that are relatively good at running the ball or i shouldn't say run you know i certainly the eagles are i wouldn't say that jaguars are good at running the ball but they're getting production running the ball and i would qualify it as you know I mean, it makes sense that they're getting drafted as the highest owned guys, but as you mentioned, it's a week where it's you know it's going to be tough to fall in love with anybody. And certainly, if these are going to be the highest owned guys, especially in higher buy-in contest, maybe you can slide down the list just a little bit. What are you going to do with like Christian McCaffrey here? Nine K, not the best matchup in the world against Miami, and uh, you know Cam Newton's in town to steal his touchdowns. How do you feel about McCaffrey? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of dovetails with how you're handling Newton. Um, if you're out on Newton and GPPs and you think, you know, he's going to be too chalky, then uh, you can get some leverage and play McCaffrey. Or if you think Carolina's just not going to be able to produce points at all, then you just fade the whole group. But, um, you know, he, we saw him. He's back the last two weeks, you know, with Newton under center, 18 targets, uh, 17 catches, 126 receiving yards, 50 fantasy points. So, I mean, that's all what we're used to over the years from Christian McCaffrey. So, um, you know, and he's even parable with Newton. If, you know, if you want to trust that receiving production uh, and, you know, and fade the wide receivers that are, are inconsistent for them. So, yeah, I like McCaffrey. Uh, it's, it's tough to build with him. Um, I do like him a little bit more than Jonathan Taylor, I think, but uh, all told if I was doing a three max or I was just building a single bullet, they're probably priced out Taylor and McCaffrey at nine K plus on DraftKings. Uh, I think I probably go a little bit cheaper, especially when you consider ownership. Daryl Henderson might slip in here because he's 5.8 against green Bay on the road uh, projection, not nearly as high as it was earlier in the season. The problem is there's just not a lot of guys that we're looking to. So would you rather play miles Gaskin? Would you rather play, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones. I mean, he, he's, he's coming back possibly this week. It's questionable as of right now. So, I mean, do you have any faith in any of these guys in the same price range? Or are we going to basically have a lot of lineup defaulting to Daryl Henderson just because there's not a better option? Yeah, I think you'll get a lot of lineups that go to Henderson, um, particularly if you want to play the game flow angle. I think, you you know, you play the game flow angle. Uh, you can take, you think the Rams might play with a lead. You take Henderson, you run it back with Devontae Adams and, you know, you try to go for game flow from that perspective. Um, or if you think Green Bay is going to play with the lead, you know, you can reverse it and, and play Cooper Cup, but uh, pending Aaron Jones status there. Uh, but I, I like Henderson at that salary. Um, 
we know in a competitive game, he's going to get his touches like the San Francisco game. He could throw out, they got blitzed in that game. Uh, and he did have six passing game targets. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about the game logs the last few weeks where they've had to play from behind. I like him. I don't think he's a must, uh, but I think he's reasonably safe. Once you get past Henderson, then we're starting to talk about mid to lower tier owned guys. You know, I think Barkley's going to get some ownership. Patterson's going to get ownership. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, how many touchdowns does this guy have to have before he starts to get owned? He's 9,100, of course. So you get the five touchdowns, people are going to want to play it. But then also 9,100 gets a little tough there. Um, Do do you think you should be splitting more of the ownership with McCaffrey, at least? I mean, is it it unfair just because it's versus Tampa Bay to be – you know, sliding McCaffrey's way just because of what we perceive to be a tough matchup. I don't think so, particularly on DraftKings, um, where the receiving production has more value. I, I think I think it's about right. Um, I think you can make that case in half PPR formats just because of the touchdown equity from Taylor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I played him last week. I ran him back with Diggs, and Diggs scored a couple touchdowns, so that that worked out. Uh, I just think this is the week at at that salary where I'm probably out. Like, he's got to have another huge game to burn you. And granted, he's got a touchdown in, what, eight straight games now. Uh, but I think this is the week where maybe it's a little bit tougher for him. I, I, it's prob- Taylor, I'm probably Xing out, for better or worse, um, at that salary. I don't think this is the week where you lose a GPP because he scores three-plus touchdowns. If you're into coach speak, Justin, Coach Frank Reich, said not only does he not want to reduce Jonathan Taylor's workload, but he wants to try to increase. I'm like, increase it. <laughs> that makes it increase nervous. the workload. <laughs> Where's it? Where's that coming from? All right. I mean, look, I'm, I'm uh, God bless you. I, I can't say for sure. I'm going to X him up, but I understand on DraftKings. It's, it's tough to get 9,100 in there. And there are certainly some other ways to spend the salary that you might want to look at. Okay. So you mentioned some injured guys like Barkley, you know, what's his workload going to be like? Is Are we going to see Cordell Patterson, against the Jaguars. I mean, that could, you know, earlier in the season, if we saw that at full health, we'd be excited about that. He's not going to be particularly on that 6.5 here. I mean, if Patterson is in the lineup, are you going to be expecting him to be full go? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if he's, you know, this is going to be a slate where those are both one o'clock games. Uh, the Giants play at one, uh, the Falcons play at one. So if we get convincing news one way or the other on no limitations for either guy, um, I think I'll be, you know, a little overweight uh, in GPPs, especially, you know, if it the news breaks Saturday night or early Sunday morning, you know, a lot of times then the ownership will follow. But if it doesn't come out till maybe we get closer to inactives, uh, a lot of people have their lineups built already. I, I think I'd be more inclined to be overweight. Um, I, I don't really have a strong preference among them. I mean, I think uh, in terms of, our projections, I think Patterson grades out a little bit better on a points per dollar basis. Barkley maybe with a higher floor, uh, but uh, I think both are are interesting for sure. So the the Dolphins are signing like Philip Lindsay to their team. They're calling up every everybody on their practice squad. You know they don't really you know like Savon Ahmed. I guess is what's going on out there. I'm not exactly sure what this what the scenario is. But nope, nobody gives a crap about Miles Gaskin still. He's 5.6 on DraftKings. Uh, I have to reduce his ownership level manually every single week because based on how he's projected, he should be higher owned, like basically all the time. So is this a situation where you think that against Carolina, 
you know, his passing game role could come into focus again, or is it just going to be another situation where he's going to, you know, he's going to pop in there with a solid fantasy performance, not break the slate, not really do much for our lineups, you know, but one time this season, has he actually helped somebody win a GPP? So uh, are, are we right to be ignoring Miles Gaskin despite the projections? I don't know. I kind of like him here. Um, Carolina is allowing the fewest passing yards per game in the league. Uh, they're a little bit weaker against the run. So uh, perhaps this is a game where you see Miami look to establish that a little bit more. Uh, now, granted, he can get his 20, you know, what, what the heck did he do last week? 20, uh, 23 carries for 89 yards and no touchdowns. And he did catch a touchdown. So salvage the day that way. But, uh, and, you know, if they, they will probably have trouble throwing the ball down the field against that Carolina secondary. So uh, I think he could get a lot more short passes again this week. And those are the two games this year. You know, he had the one with double digit catches, I think where uh, he did, you know, break a slate. So yeah, I like Gaskin this week. I think that uh, given the spot and the fact that he always, you know, gets a little bit under own and salary's a little tough. Um, I don't mind putting him in some lineups here. All right. So the rest of the, the you know, the 10% plus range that we'll talk about here in the chalk section is a little bit dicey. You mentioned Ty Johnson earlier. I'm going to mention Dontrell Hilliard. Look, he's nobody knows who the hell Dontrell Hilliard is cards. <laughs> I mean, he's been in the league for a little while, but he's 4.6 and the Titans are scra scraping for any kind of passing game options. I, I, I'm worried that they're not going to do anything on offense in this game, but you're going to see projections, including ours, that look half decent for for, for the 4.6 price tag on a slate where you need some salary savings. And I think, you know, first of all, is 11% too much for the ownership? And then second of all, can you actually look at either Johnson or Hilliard, these passing game backs on DraftKings specifically as options when we are trying to save a little bit of salary and there's not much out there to do it? Yeah, I prefer Johnson. Um, I think, it, and I know it's a little bit of a leap of faith because he touched the ball twice last week, but uh, he had eight targets against Buffalo, six against Cincinnati, seven against New England. And Michael Carter has been serving that role of, you know, catching a ton of passes out of the backfield. They are playing Houston in what should be a competitive game. Um, and, you know, so maybe he gets a little bit more rushing production. Like I'm not worried about Coleman uh, getting the lion's share of touches or P Ryan or anybody like that. So given that I, I share your opinion that I think Tennessee is going to struggle uh, to do much of anything consistently on offense. Uh, so if I'm taking the leap of faith with one of them with some pass catching ability, it's Johnson over Hilliard for me. Yeah. I, I hated every second of trying to figure out his fantasy points and our fantasy point projections. When I was looking them over yesterday, like I, like I knew that, you know, all by the numbers, he's going to have to have a projection that looks decent, but man, if there's, if there's any way to justify uh, reducing their efficiency. That's definitely going to happen before Sunday, as far as I'm concerned, because I think New England is going to snatch. Anything else here at running back before we move on to the wide receiver position that, that you feel compelled to talk about with the chalk? Yeah, no, I think that's about it for the chalk. I, I think um, one of my favorite GPP angles is going to be going for the 8K running backs in the single digits in terms of ownership. Uh, you've got Najee Harris at 8,200 and you've got Eckler at 8,400. And I don't care whichever guy you want to take a stand on. I think taking a stand on one of these guys and GPPs makes sense. Like Harris has been the guy for Pittsburgh this year and he got banged up in the Sunday night game against the Chargers. So, you know, don't worry about his numbers that much from that game. But the last time that Pittsburgh played Cincinnati, they fell behind 
and Cincinnati, you know, they played the soft coverage and Harris had 19 targets in that game. He caught 14 passes for 102 yards. I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but we know he's going to get the lion's share of touches for them offensively. And then Eckler coming off a four touchdown game. They're using him more in the red zone. Uh, we know he's going to get the passing game volume. And, uh, you know, there's those red zone looks that were always the biggest knock on his game. And if particularly if you're, you know, looking for some leverage against either the, the, the chalky value running backs or you don't want to pay 9K plus for Taylor um, or McCaffrey, then I think Harris and Eckler are really interesting. Like they are guys that could have GPP breaking type of games. We saw it from Eckler just last week at single digit ownership. So uh, I like Harris and Eckler as contrarian options there. I don't think Eckler will get to short squeeze on every fantasy site out there, but I think on DraftKings, that's it's, it's pretty likely that he'll get to like maybe 10%, maybe even a little bit under the way it's projected now. So a little bit later in the show, Justin, we'll ask you to take a stand on some of these low owned plays and, and tell us the one that's going to be in the winter. Cause that's what we're going to need to know. All right, let's Sounds get into good. the wide receiver position where look, if you, if you want to, play in the DFS OGs league and come at these, these guys, you know, uh, why aren't you a, you, shouldn't you be a DFS OG? Like we got beer makers fan head chopper <laughs> notorious. Don't they, they need to like get you involved in this, right? I mean, you've yeah, been doing I got, this forever. I got the short squeeze on that. So uh, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to pine to, to be the, uh, the fourth yeah. wheel next year. So here's what you need to do, Justin. You need to go to our homepage and find the DFS OGs contest and you need to get in there and you need to kick their asses for not letting you in the club because let's face it, like, you know, these guys out there, I mean, they've, they've been delivering the, the information and the good stuff for years. Head Chopper, Noto, all these guys. Get, get in on FanDuel and kick their asses. All right, let's get into the wide receiver position. I was going to say, you know, probably see Chris Godwin in that contest in one of their lineups because, you know, quite frankly, Tom Brady is playing better than he ever has before, which is insane. But, you know, pe people say that every single week, so I'm not going to rehash this situation. We just accept it for, as fact and look at Chris Godwin and say, hey, you know, he's the – He's the kind of guy that is going to get looks. Uh, the, the question is, is, you know, every week, is it Godwin or is it Evans? Who is going to be the beneficiary of the Tom Brady touchdown love this week? Yeah, I have a bias towards Godwin just in general um, because of his athleticism, but it's pretty clear that Brady likes Evans. I mean, uh, he's scored in four straight. And if you look, if you go back uh, last six games, Evans has eight touchdowns and uh, I mean, always with his size, he's always, you know, a red zone target. And so I think, you know, in terms of yardage, I'm always going to give the edge to Godwin. Uh, if you're looking for multiple touchdowns, uh, I think Evans at this point has proven his connection with Brady that, that he's the better bet, but uh, you know, touchdowns are varying are variants. So uh, it's a fickle beast, but uh, hard to ignore with the touchdowns that Evans has been putting up. Yeah. It, you know, it's definitely a Sophie's choice situation because now you've got Gronk playing well too. Right. He's and found, Gronk is found, cheap on DraftKings. Yeah, he he found the fountain of youth. So, you know, it's it's not easy to to figure out how you want to structure your Tampa Bay Buccaneer stack if you're playing in like a three max scenario and you can only, you know, pick, you know, if you're not going to play all Brady lineups, you're not going to have every combination. So good luck to you out there. Uh, I certainly I kind of like Gronk this week. So we'll talk about that at tight end. Keenan Allen is going to be popular. Uh, Denver, the defense is considered to be one of the, you know, the tougher matchups in the league. But I think at this point, the Chargers have such a consolidated workload share that you mentioned Eckler, you know, Keenan Allen. I mean, these two guys are pretty much where you can expect a lot of targets to go each and every week. And I don't think on DraftKings, it's a bad idea to go back to Allen 
Is it a mistake to trust him in a tournament scenario, though, because of the high ownership? I don't think it's necessarily a mistake. I mean, the dude has four straight games of at least 11 targets, so you know they're going to be there. Um, I mean, if you're looking for a pivot, basically you just, if you're looking for somebody in the same price range, you just want somebody that's going to outscore him or match him if he's a little bit cheaper. So I don't think it's a mistake if you go there, uh, because the likelihood of a floor game, you know, if we sort wide receivers by floor on DraftKings, the only wide receiver we have with a higher floor is Devonte Adams. And, and we even have Allen ahead of Cooper cup. So, uh, I, I don't think it's a mistake to play him. Um, whether or not, you know, you subscribe to the theory of wanting to fade the high ownership and try to get a guy that has a, you know, can have a ceiling game ahead of Allen, uh, I think is certainly a viable, uh, discussion, but, uh, I can't fade him entirely if I'm doing like 50, hundred lineups this week. Ownership of course, doesn't exist in a vacuum. You got your whole, your total lineup usage always matters. And, you know, inevitably, you know, fading too much too much of a player because of individual player ownership is never a great idea. You want to look at how the entire lineup is structured, but certainly, you know, we, we do want to try to find some guys that we can get a little bit of an edge on. If we take an underweight position and go lower in our own individual ownership than the field's ownership and try not to feel the brunt of a, a lower percent range of outcomes game. I, I don't necessarily think Allen's going to be at a huge risk of busting you this week. So I, I do, I will have him in my player pool when I go to build my teams. Brandon Cooks is the guy that I'm going to have in my uh, player pool right now. 5.8 against the Jets. Boy, it's tough to look at this and not think that his ownership couldn't even be even higher. Is he is he actually going to be even higher than 20% on the way I have it? He might be. And you consider that a lot of people are going to take a look at Tyrod Taylor and Cooks. And the thing is, if you build a Taylor-Cooks lineup, uh, you have more freedom in salary for the other positions than a lot of other people will. And so the cautionary tale with that is you, you, you just mentioned it, looking at your total lineup ownership as a whole, it's pretty easy to build a Taylor Cooks lineup that looks like what a lot of other Taylor Cooks lineups are going to look like. So even though the aggregate ownership on Taylor isn't all that high, you're going to have a lot of Taylor Cooks lineups that look the same because of the freedom that it gives you to spend up for other chalkier high dollar plays. So that's my concern with Cooks. Um, I, I don't think it's a mistake if you're looking to fade him. I mean, you look at the other high dollar, high ownership wide receivers that have receiving props of six and a half catches, seven and a half catches. And that's where Cooks makes his hay is with just sheer volume and his receiving prop this week is only five and a half catches um, with juice on the under. So uh, depending on what book you're looking at. So, yeah, I, I don't love cooks uh, in, in a vacuum there with that ownership, which could maybe reach 25. Yeah. It, but again, it's, that's another, another situation where, you know, by all means, if you're making a lot of teams, you're not, I don't, I don't think you're going to often find people who are going to go with zero cooks, but I think if you're going to see that kind of high ownership on him, I, I have a, I have an interesting guy that I'm going to talk about a little later. <laughs> Boy, I might be giving it away, but it, it's, it's scary as all hell, but it, it's certainly a situation where if you like this situation where the Texans against the Jets, there might be another way you can go. Okay. So Debo just absolutely crushing it. Uh, run, running the ball last week. Uh, he's certainly had big games on, on numerous occasions this season, focal point of the offense for the 49ers uh, definitely has the athleticism to back up you know, this breakout season that we're seeing from him, I think 
A lot of people were expecting this for him at some point in his career. And I think the arrow hasn't even actually reached the peak yet. So my problem is when I look at Debo Samuel, he's in this explosive kind of matchup with the Vikings. He's going to be pretty owned, but do I even care? I mean, this guy is good for 15 fantasy points pretty much week in and week out. And I'm afraid to not have him. I don't think I'm going to be on the sidelines again. I'm going to definitely have some Debo. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're using him in so many different ways as clearly the most explosive player that they have offensively that I think it's a mistake. We talked earlier about a mistake to fade him. I mean, we talked earlier about the number of shootouts that the Vikings are playing in. You know, this game has one of the highest totals of the slate. So definitely hard to fade Debo here. I also find it pretty compelling to look at a guy like Deontay Johnson against Cincinnati and say, yep, he's going to have 10 targets again. Uh, How am I supposed to look at this guy who gets 13 targets, but like it takes him like 15 targets to get 100 yards half the time. But at some point in time, he's going to have to combine some of this target volume with some like super efficiency and just have like a monster, right? Like there's no way that you can go through your entire career at like six yards per target or whatever he is. I assume it, that, that will improve once a different quarterback is under center there. Oh <laughs> if, if they get uh, if they get a halfway decent quarterback when Ben hangs it up, uh, we'll see a little bit more efficiency on the uh, targets from Deontay Johnson. But I, I mean, I like him a lot. Um, I, I was, you know, kind of hoping he'd end up checking in at a little lower ownership this week, but uh, the guy has 13 targets in four of the last five games. And it, we just can't, you can't ignore that. I mean, with Juju Smith-Schuster out, he is the guy there. Uh, he is the safety valve. It's basically him and Harris getting, you know, what, 50 to 60% target share in that offense. So I like Johnson a lot. I like Michael Pittman a lot as well. Uh, he's going to be right there in terms of ownership. And particularly if you're thinking Taylor's a little priced out or a tougher matchup for the running game for Indy this week, if they're going to throw, it's going to be to Pittman. And it's a little bit of a leap of faith. His numbers the last few weeks haven't been great, but uh, they, I mean, they just blitzed Buffalo last week, so they didn't really need to throw. Um, another guy that I was maybe kind of hoping would fly under the radar a little bit this week, but people are smart. Uh, everyone's using solid projections here. So uh, I like Pittman. I like Deontay Johnson. I think those are the two high owned guys that I really want to make sure I, I play this week. And you put your, you put your signature on that, on your uh, conviction place for the week. So I like to see you standing up for those guys here in this segment, Jerry, Judy, boy, the chargers are, a team that are definitely easier to run the ball against than they are to throw against. You know, they got Asante Samuel there, Chris Harris Jr. They got a bunch of good players. Derwin James back there in that secondary, plus some guys who can rush the passer. But, you know, Judy is certainly a guy at 5,500 that's going to attract some attention. Uh, good good route runner. The kind of guy that I would be less worried about some playing against some of these tougher secondary members than I would be other, uh, you, know, you know, I guess more lunky wide receivers in the league. Uh, do you think that Judy, first of all, is he going to be popular the way that I'm showing it? And second of all, are you willing to play a guy who's this popular on a team that probably wants to get out there and run the ball? Yeah, that's the key for me. I, I just think, you know, the, the targets the last couple of weeks, eight and nine, pretty good. Uh, but that's probably as much as he's getting uh, unless they're getting blitzed, um, which, you know, uh, this game has uh, two and a half point spread. And, and I think that Denver will, as I mentioned earlier, I think they'll try to slow this game down. So um, I, everything has to go right for him to hit that GPP ceiling, uh, which we have. I mean, we have him 
see what the lowest ceiling of any of the highest owned wide receivers. None of the double digit owned receivers have a lower ceiling other than does Fitzpatrick, which is probably not the best company you want to be in with there. So yeah, I'm probably out on Judy here, especially with him only being a hundred cheaper than Pittman. Um, I'll stick with Pittman. I think if you made ceiling projections based purely on what this player's raw ability is to have like monster games, I no, think no Judy's, he, no he'd doubt. be way higher. But no just the situation he finds himself in in Denver and is is not exceptionally conducive to like the 40 point game. I think he'll probably have one in his career at some point. I just don't think we're going to see it uh, this week or maybe even this year. Uh, Mike, okay, so guys that we have seen monster games from in the past, Cup and Adams, their ownership will be suppressed a little bit because of how expensive they are. I'm not going to get into talking about how good these guys are. You play them if you can afford them, okay? Uh, Des Fitzpatrick, I mentioned briefly earlier, will get some ownership. Cards, who who the hell are the Titans going to play at wide receiver this <laughs> I week? I don't know. I mean, you're not playing Nick Westbrook, Akina. I mean, maybe you are, but I mean, I Chester I Rogers. Know. Yeah, I, look, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, if one of these guys ends up getting a lot of volume, Tannehill's good enough to pump their production up in any given week. But you know, New England's a tough out, and I just I have concerns about the, whether this offense is going to stay on the field. So, you know, Des is third three point two. He scored a touchdown last week. Uh, how do you how do you feel about this is it can, can you even breathe on this <laughs> no not really um I, I share your opinion that i think they might get blitzed but i guess that means they will they'll simply just have to keep throwing and uh so somebody's got to get some targets and and catch the ball um i mean if you look at their snap counts from last week uh brown 42 um Westbrook Akine 54, Chester Rogers 56, Des Fitzpatrick 64. Uh, so those are the guys that are, I mean, with Brown out this week, those are the guys that are going to be out there. Um, how efficient they will be is another matter. Like I simply put double digit ownership. I'm not playing Des Fitzpatrick. I just, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if he slipped under double digit ownership just because everyone's going to look at us and be like, who the hell is this? But <laughs> at the same time, if they do follow the letter of the law on the projections, technically speaking, if he's going to be, you know, if he can score as, as many as, eight, you know, 16 to 18 points or something like that at a, at a ceiling, you know, you wouldn't mind that at 3.2, especially on this slip. Yeah, okay, for sure. So, yeah, I get it. Uh, just probably not doing it. Three last names here above 10% in, in the current projections DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, let's, let's look at Galladay really quickly here. Do you think that people are going to jump? They don't have any receivers there in New York, by the way. No one's talking about that. Do you think Galladay is going to jump right in here and have any chance at production? I do. I think he's got a shot at it. Yeah. Um, I'm more curious. Like if there's one guy where I'd be really interested to see the pulse of everybody, um, you know, if there was a guy I could predict, try to pick, I, I think Galladay is a really tough guy to peg where that ownership's going to go this week. Um, you know, I think you could say 6% and I could believe it. I think you could say 16% and I could maybe believe it that, you know, depending on how the news cycle goes throughout the next 24 hours or so, but you mentioned, they just don't have a lot of guys, um, you know, a game that could uh, in theory turn into a, a sneaky shootout. And if the giants fall behind, like, yeah, I could see Galladay being a, an interesting slate breaker this week. And uh, I'm not sure where everybody's at on him just because of, you know, the injuries and the general ineffectiveness of that offense. Do some favor. If you want to listen to STL cards and a bunch of other guys talk to you via your podcast app on a frequent basis, uh, go ahead and subscribe uh, to this feed on the RG podcast uh, network uh, on Apple or 
you know, your favorite podcast app. You can also go ahead and like this if you're listening or you know, rather say watching on YouTube and uh, go ahead and help yourself out as well as us in the process and get alerted when these shows come out. Okay, so tight end position. Keep this a little bit short because the tight end position is always the same conversation every week. You've got you know, maybe one or, one, one or two of the top guys. We'll, we'll call Goddard and Gronkowski the guys that you'd expect to be up here because uh, they're, they're relatively you know, strong projections with relatively strong matchups. And you know, certainly people are going to own these guys. Go ahead and play them if you like them. The guy that I really want to take a look at here is Evan Ingram at 3.8 on DraftKings. Uh, boy, Ingram is a very tough play on most weeks just because he's just con continually disappointing us for years at this point in time. He's got the athleticism to be you know, almost a wide receiver and yet still can't find a way to get it done at the tight end position. It seems at this point that this is who he is. Uh, are, are we going to be rewarded for our continuous faith in Ingram with what should be elevated target share this week, or is this going to be in yet another spot where he disappoints us? Yet another spot where he disappoints us. If the, if the past data is any indication, uh, that's what's going to happen. I mean, I think you need to sprinkle in either Galladay or Ingram because somebody's or Barkley, like somebody's going to at least do something. Uh, unlike Tennessee, where we think they might just, be stuck in neutral the whole game i do think the giants will be able to move the ball uh and you're not looking at exorbitant ownership around you know 10 12 14 whatever we've got on barkley uh galladay and ingram there so i, I think you gotta sprinkle in at least take a stand on one of the guys that you want to play in your gpps because i do think there's going to be a really strong point per dollar performance because it's not like galladay given the recent production he's not all that expensive um Ingram obviously isn't expensive. Barkley isn't all that expensive. So yeah, I think you got to play somebody. I don't blame you if you don't want to play Ingram because of what we've seen from him. He is 3,800. I'll probably keep him in my player pool because tight end is really bad this week. Andrew's in a primetime game. The chiefs aren't on the main slate this week. Uh, we saw a lot of, you know, we saw our traditional 80 touchdowns from tight ends on showdown slates in the three game Thursday slate. That's what mm -hmm. happens every showdown. Um, so we don't have a ton of elite tight ends on this slate. So I'll probably keep Ingram in my player pool, but I think you need uh, to focus on uh, one or two of those kind of cheaper Giants plays this week. You'll see the ownerships drafts King specific for Ingram. No one's playing them on other sides. They're going to play Kittle. They're going to play Kyle Pitts. They're going to play Goddard and Gronkowski. You'll, you'll see you can afford the tight ends on other sites. A FanDuel and Yahoo specifically on DraftKings is where you might need some of that savings a little bit more. Uh, just a couple notes here. I think Freermuth might actually get a little bit of ownership here on this slate. Uh, it's possible people go to Dan Arnold, Arnold again, but probably less than we've seen lately. And then maybe because of the stack, you'll see Jared Cook out there, you know, creeping up, you know, into the high single digits. It says 10.1% right now in the projections. I'll probably try to tick that down just a little bit, but he, you know, he'll be far from unknown. I'll put it to you that way. All right, let's get into the defenses. Just real quick. Only two defenses I think even worth mentioning on the slate right now, just from an ownership perspective, are the Texans and the Jaguars, because no one plays these guys any other week. Now they're 2.3 and 2.2 on DraftKings, and now they're going to be like a third of the ownership, and I don't think that's wrong. Well, I mean, Justin, what are we doing here? What's it's happening? not it's not wrong because you need the salary, and it's we're just desperate for any sort of salary relief. It reminds me, uh, you know, you you mentioned the uh, DFS OGs earlier. One of the early daily fantasy sites draft street one week 
Um, their, you know, average salaries are like, we're like five, $6,000 for a defense, a different type of cap. Uh, but one week they made the jets like 200 bucks, uh, against, uh, you know, a really, really good offense. I, I don't remember all the specifics anymore. It's been so many years, but, uh, and everybody, you know, people wanted to play them just because they were so cheap. So, uh, this reminds me of that a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the jets are going to start Zach Wilson. So I get it, uh, with the Texans and, but. I don't know. Defensive scoring is just so variant that it's so, it just makes me uncomfortable to play a 20% owned defense. Uh, and I don't maybe just play it for the block and move on, but I don't know. Like, where do you stand on the chalky defense theory in general in GPPs? Well, I think it was a little bit easier to play this angle before the, the pricing started to get so strictly tight. Right. And not only that, like where are the kick return touchdowns these days, Justin, yeah, like, you got so you know, many guys booming it through the end zone. It just, yeah, there aren't any. So I mean, you're, you're getting more limited in your options for those massive games. Offense is better than it's ever been before. I think it's more difficult to fade the, the higher round defenses than it has been in the past. But I still do tend to try to find, you know, like if I can find an option, if I can make lines without the Texans this week, I'm still going to try because it's the Texans and the 2.3. But, you know, if, if the difference is, one of these other defenses actually has to do something instead. And if the Texans go off, you're done. So it's it's very tough situation nowadays with the way the defensive scoring has changed. But I still do generally prescribe to the idea that in a highly variant position, you want to try to avoid ownership if you can. Yeah, I mean, I think the Panthers are interesting. They're 800 more. Uh, I think the Steelers are somewhat interesting. They're 400 more. They're like 2,700. So not super expensive, um, you know, and, and maybe about a third of the ownership there. So look, I, I get the logic behind the Texans and the Jags, and I'm probably not going to fade them completely just because we need that salary relief, but Panthers, Steelers, I think a couple teams you could look at if you're looking for pivots that aren't, you know, 3,900 like New England is. All right. Enough of the defensive takes, Justin. People who are here to watch for low-owned plays need the winners. They need you to dig deep into your bag and tell us where if we're playing like a monster GPP, if we're in like the millionaire maker or the slant or something, we want to, we want to just get, we want to get deep. I want you to find me a low owned option at every single position here that you think you can say with conviction has a chance to be one of those slingshot. Op- Some, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I said it on the show last week, but I was certainly in the Slack channel. I was talking about Joe Flacco last week as a joke. He ended up winning the millionaire maker, I think. <laughs> so, it was pretty good last week. So no pick will be laughed out of the room here, Justin. <laughs> Give us a low-owned quarterback that you think could have that chance of that once-in-a-lifetime score. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Cousins. Um, you know, if you're going a little bit lower in terms of ownership, if you need me to go under 2%, maybe Carson Wentz, uh, pair him up with Pittman. But uh, Cousins, for me, I mean, I know that offense can be frustrating, but the guy hasn't thrown an interception in six weeks, uh, 294 yards, two scores against the chargers, 341 yards, three scores against the Packers. Uh, we know that their defense is, you know, uh, allowing a few more points nowadays. And, uh, I think that that game could shoot out. So for me, cousins at quarterback, maybe Wentz, if you're looking to go a little deeper, I'm still waiting for one of these rookies to just have like an actually good daily fantasy game some combination or you know, one of the two guys, either Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence. I've tried it a couple of times already this year to pretty abysmal failure. Uh, boy, Trevor Lawrence, Justin, you, you play college football DFS, right? Like what is this guy ever going to do it in the NFL? I mean, I know he's on the Jaguars and everything. Could, could this be the, the week 
where he actually shows up and gets in the end zone a couple of times. He has like no multi-touchdown games. He's not running the ball anywhere near at the level we know he's capable of. I mean, is, is it even, is it possible for him to hit that ceiling? I don't think so with their, you know, given the talent that they have uh, at receiver and the fact that James Robinson's healthy again, I just, I don't think you're going to see them open it up enough. Like if they opened it up more and they let him run and they design some more creative plays, like it's almost like a lesser version of Matt Nagy with Justin Fields. Like it just, the offense isn't designed for him to have that ceiling. So um, certainly I think that this game is maybe more possible than the others, but I don't know. I just don't see it happening right now. I have more confidence in the Mac Jones skinny stack because he's only 5.4. Like he, a couple of different things that could happen here. They could smash the Titans and, you know, you don't even just don't bring it back. Just go with us. You're just to save some salary. Mac Jones and one of the cheaper wide receivers or tight ends and see if hope that you can get one, uh, you know, one rushing touchdown from Mac on, on the one yard QB sneak, right? Like that, that could certainly happen. They do that if with, with the Tom Brady play in New England, but you don't need to rely exclusively on that. I think at 5.4, one of these two guys on the cheap give, gives you an outside chance. If, you, if you're thinking about Zach Wilson, forget it. This guy stinks. Or you got it running back. <laughs> it's definitely not Zach Wilson. Agreed there. Um, kind of gave this away a little bit earlier, but uh, I think Harris and Eckler, one of those two guys is going to be on uh, the winning GPP lineups this week at single digit ownership. Um, you know, Eckler is going to be a little more popular on the other sites, as you mentioned earlier, that with the salary on DraftKings, he, he gets a little bit squeezed out, but um, he, you know, Harris is not a guy that's going to be super popular at all because his passing volume doesn't give you that much, you know, upside on, on FanDuel with half point PPR. Um, and, and so I think Najee Harris could be that guy had that huge game the first time when they played the Bengals, uh, could certainly happen again. So uh, I like Harris, you know, if you're going really, really, really deep, it's tough to find guys at running back, like until we get clarity on what the Packers are going to do. You know, if Aaron Jones happens to be out, then maybe Dylan um, soaks up a lot more ownership and you get more guys at single digits. But, uh, you know, Javante Williams could be another guy too. If he's going to be in a workhorse role there for Denver now, um, you know, it's he could be that that kind of sneakier value this week. But Harris is the guy I'll probably be the most overweight on. I'll dovetail off the Javante Williams. That was the guy I was going to name, and it was exclusively because I do think that attacking the Chargers is definitely something that you prefer to do on the ground versus through the air. The Broncos are just fine doing that, that's for sure. If they end up playing good defense and controlling the game, even for a portion of the game at the, at the beginning, and we start to see a lot of carries come out of the Denver backfield, if it happens to be an unusual split in the favor of Williams and he gets in the box at 5.2 here on DraftKings, that could end up yielding some good positive results on a tougher week. Who do you got wide receiver? Yeah, I think there's a couple guys. If you look at kind of point per dollar um, and and kind of check out ceiling, the guy that stands out to me there is Elijah Moore. Now, it worries me more. I kind of wish for, for his perspective, I wish it was Flacco again under center. But you look at the guy's target, 6, 6, 8, 6, 11, the last five weeks. Uh, he scored the last three games. He had the big game last week. Uh, and still not going to be all that owned. I mean, we got him at 3% on Yahoo, 1% or 2% on FanDuel, 6% on DraftKings. Uh, and I think he is the guy that, again, Zach Wilson makes him a lot more volatile, but uh, he's a fantastic receiver, a guy that has a bright future in this league. He's, you know, he's reasonably affordable. Uh, so Moore is my guy there. Maybe Darius Slayton, again, if you subscribe to the theory of the Giants doing something and you don't trust Galladay or Ingram, um, Slayton had seven targets last week. 
I, I suppose you could go there, but uh, Elijah Moore, I do like for the, for the upside. I'm just going to mention something, not because I think it's something I want to play on most sites, but I just, re- just thought about, I saw Cortland Sutton was $10 on Yahoo. So like, I just, if you're playing on Yahoo, by the way, out there, you're looking for a value play, Cortland Sutton is $10. Don't ask me how that just crossed my mind scrolling down the list here, but it, it is something I definitely wanted to make yep, sure. I that's confirmed. Out. It is $10. That is, that's a, that's a little strange here. Um, man, I don't really want to like say that Jamar Chase is going to be low owned, but I do think that the matchup versus Pittsburgh could suppress his ownership just a little bit. And lest we forget, this is the guy who has like, you know, the, the 40, 50 point upside that, you know, you used to see from, you know, some of the biggest names in the business. I mean, if he ends up, you know, breaking a couple of long touchdowns, you're, you're going to need him to win. And I don't think that versus Pittsburgh precludes him from doing that. So if he's going to be under 10% owned, which is certainly very possible on this slate, I think Jamar Chase is a player to definitely not forget about. Nobody's going to forget about him. They're just going to scroll right past him when they can't afford him. So go ahead and try to find the lineup for two that includes him. You got a tight end? Yeah. um, Tight end stinks this week. Uh, And I think for that reason, you just go for a punt. First of all, I love Kittle on DraftKings in single digits. Uh, don't sleep on him if you can afford him. Uh, and he's a little tougher to get on DraftKings. I love Kittle uh, and Fryermuth as well. Uh, he's super talented, but uh, we got Kittle at 8%, Fryermuth at 6%. Don't mind going back to Dan Arnold as well uh, at 4K. He didn't have a target last week, but otherwise 7, 7, 10 the previous three games. But uh, Kittle and Fryermuth uh, will be the two that, uh, that I try to go overweight on. I think Pitts actually has a chance to get open this week. So if he if he's actually open, you know he, he'll certainly be someone who could have a big big game. Uh, I don't think the ownership is going to be excessive on him. So he's a player that I do like for a considerable upside in week number twelve, folks. That is going to do it for the ownership report, and I wish you the best of luck in all of your daily fantasy contests for Justin Van Zuden. I'm Chris Shimino. We'll be back again in week thirteen. Go win something. Mm-hmm.